Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is supported by Golden Artist Colors, manufacturing in upstate New York Golden Acrylics, Williamsburg Oils, and most recently Core Watercolors, an employee-owned company committed to producing the highest quality materials while maintaining a culture of stewardship and community involvement. I've used Golden for over 18 years. I'm painting today and I'm still using Golden. It's the best paint and it's very versatile. I can use it in so many ways and it comes in every color I need. For information about Golden Artist Colors, call 1-800-959-6543 or visit www.goldenpaints.com. Sound and Vision is brought to you by Charter Coffee House. This Saturday, July 28th from noon to 7 p.m., Charter is having a bizarre barbecue at Charter 309 Graham Avenue in East Williamsburg. It's just one block from the Graham L stop. The barbecues by Amaza Cafe, the drinks by Levinot, haircuts by Chrissy T. Hare, hand poke tattoos by Witchy Pokes, and screen prints by Bedroom Prints. Make sure you check it out at their store. Find out more at chartercoffee.com and follow them on Instagram at charter underscore BK. Sound and Vision is also supported by Tobo Designs. Based in Denver, Colorado, they make incredible bags like the ones I use to lug around my podcast kit. They're super sturdy, and they look great. Check out their products at tobodesigns.com. Shauna X is an artist, designer, animator, and visual director who lives and works in Brooklyn, New York. She was born in China and moved to the United States when she was seven. She's had solo shows at Ticktail and Power Plant in Brooklyn, and recently had a solo show at ADO in Brooklyn called Your Manners, which featured sculpture, prints, and large-scale video installation. She's done work with Adidas, Adobe, Ghostly International, among many others. She's spoken at the AIGA conference, Behance New York, the Apple Store, and at the Art Directors Club. I met up with Shauna at her home studio to talk about her early days in Portland, parental expectations, drawing as language, some 41, and a lot more. Here's our conversation. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But it was it's I was really intrigued by it immediately. And I was like, well, who's who's doing this stuff? So but you grew up in Portland, right? Yeah. And what was that like? Um, which part of it? The whole <laughs> the whole part. It was really weird because I I actually I I lived with my grandparents in China until I was seven. Oh my, really? my parents like ditched me and went to Portland. Well, they didn't ditch me, they had to go go to school. Right. And um, when I moved there, it was a very different experience because it was like a bunch of white people everywhere. <laughs> At seven. <laughs> At seven. And I didn't speak English. And so that experience was really different. Yeah. And I think it, it could have been that way anywhere. But it was just Portland, which was very homogenous for the most part. Right. Um, Did you have siblings? No, it was just me. Oh, just you. Yeah. So everything was on you. It was just like, what? But I think um, the only thing I knew how to do was draw. So I doodled for my classmates, and that's how I made friends. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> how, long, how long did it take you to learn? This is deep end of the pool. You had to learn yeah. English really quickly. I had. I mean, I learned it in like seven months because yeah. I like to talk. And I had a experience once where apparently I remember this too. Like, I just couldn't talk, so I brought a book into the bathroom, and I was just speaking gibberish. Literally, I was like, blah, 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 blah. Like, I just didn't know what I was saying. Yeah. And a teacher walked in on me and heard me and called my mom and was like, your daughter has a mental illness. Oh, she's going crazy. She she's thought that I had, like, a mental problem. But were you, were you <laughs> talking just to I practice? was just talking to talk. You were just saying I just stuff. love talking. <laughs> but in gibberish. In gibberish. Just like, in any way, like, right. any sound, you know what I mean? Yeah. But, yeah, it was a funny experience. But growing up there, it was... It was fun because, you know, it was convenient for the most part. I got around the city. I, like, took the bus everywhere. Like, my parents were busy. So, um, you're independent, you, I guess. Yeah. When well, you're, yeah. 
and speaking, you had to be yeah yeah right it was and, just you and also like a lot of asian cultures like communities they're very independent with their kids like their kids can go off on their own yeah like take buses at like age six right on their own so i was so used to that so i explored a lot of the city on a bus right. or with the train or walking just did around. your thing yeah and that was really fun that's cool and mm-hmm. portland's nice right it's really nice it's like really really beautiful and a lot of trees everywhere yeah Yeah. and a lot of weirdos which i think i i actually enjoyed having around right but they're like affable weirdos they're not like dangerous weirdos for the Um, most part actually i would say like the last few times i've gone back it's changed a little bit because i think they've there's a big problem with mental health and also homeless population there where they're not really doing anything with that population they're just throwing them on the side of the in basically Chinatown. Yeah. Um, I think like back in the day, I've heard stories about how they would take buses of homeless people to just drive them to Portland and just drop them off there. That's how the government handled the situation. Uh-huh. I think this is a friendly yeah. place for them to be. Yeah. I mean, it's a great place, but there's definitely people with problems that should be treated or some, you know, some sort of like help Yeah. that can come in to help out, but they don't. And so it does feel slightly sketchy sometimes when you go down to that area and there's a lot of people yelling at you and there's like a lot of fights happening which i was like what yeah i didn't expect that because growing up it was very like yay whatever right people everywhere but now it's like i feel like there's a problem that how old how old were you when that hit your radar were you pretty young like um, when you were noticing that stuff. Actually, just recently. Oh, okay. So when you were young, yeah, it was probably going on. It was on. different. Yeah, yeah. I didn't felt, it didn't feel that way. And then I don't know what happened in the past. I don't know what happened. I mean, I don't well, live there to, you know, have a good, like an, a big objective view of it either. So yeah. I have no idea what's going on. So how long were you there in Portland? Um, I Through went to high school, school in Oregon, um, Eugene, Oregon, which is like a hippie state. Uh-huh. Or sorry, hippie town. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Um, for four years and I moved back for two years and I moved to China for a year and then I moved to Chicago. So I left like in 20, I left like 2010 and then 2012, 2011. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. What did you, what did you, did you say what your parents did? My mom's teacher uh-huh. she teaches, um, grade school and my dad, he was an engineer, but now he just collects antiques. That's fun. He's like addicted to <laughs> antique collecting. But wait, was your mom a teacher from the jump or did she learn? She was. She, w- she used to teach math uh-huh. in college. But as most immigrants go, they come to America and they have to start over. Right. Both of my parents were doing really well and they came here and had to start over as like servers and busboys. So well, why did they come? What, what just a better, like, yeah. better life, I think, especially back in the 80s and 90s when... You look at America, and America was like the epitome of the dream, basically. It was booming. Yeah. Yeah. You could do anything you want here. You could, you know, be rich if you want. There's just that dream that a lot of people held on to. Right. Thought was the right thing to go for. Yeah. Um, And so they came here, and it was like an honor for them to come here because it was very difficult to immigrate outside of China, I think, back in the 80s. But they were able to come here, but... The funny thing is, um, why they while they came here and started over, China was blooming. It's like now there's like a huge fucking gold rush that <laughs> happened. So now they go back and they're like these middle class kid like uh, like Chinese Americans and all their friends are rich and they're right. just like, wait, what? <laughs> what happened? It's actually yeah, as soon sad. as we leave. As soon as we it's leave, it's actually really depressing. Yeah, but maybe they well <laughs> not really because they it's it's funny. It's do do they like Portland? Yeah, they do. They yeah. do. Yeah. And you've done well, so they must yeah. be happy about that. I mean, that. they always say, you know, if I didn't come, if we didn't come here, you wouldn't be doing what you're doing. Yeah. Um, That's but, cool. Which and is it's true. Re- it, and which it's really interesting true. that drawing was your first language here in a way. Right. Right. So yeah. that you probably really have some sort of comfort in yeah. being creative. Because yeah, that was your icebreaker, right? That was my way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a way to connect to people. Is it still so. like that? Um, yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, but a lot of times, like you, you were saying, you were mentioning that you kind of like to be at home in the studio, like doing yeah, your thing. Especially now I'm just like idle yeah. at all times. <laughs> well, I think a lot of creative <laughs> people feel comfortable yeah. do like doing their own thing, but at the same time, 
their work as a way to almost force a connection or communication with other people right in a way right but you're it's true but you're pretty social too or are you more of a homebody i'm pretty both i mean i used to be a lot more extroverted and i think this year i've become more okay and accepting of my introverted side yeah there's nothing Um, wrong with that right um, but I think for the most part, I've always thought that being introverted was seen as like antisocial and like yeah. depressing. And um, it wasn't until this like past two years when I realized it's actually really nurturing for someone, especially who's a creative. Right. Um, it's nice to like be at home and relax and contemplate and, and you know, reflect I or just not do anything. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I wonder so. if younger generations have less of that. Because it's so acceptable oh, yeah. to chill out and watch Netflix and hang yes. out and play video games. They're always <laughs> online. Right? Yeah. Like, I don't connecting. need to go out and be social. Yeah. But they're also, they are being social, though. Yeah. Like, I know, yeah. It's like a weird, like, pseudo-social experience for them. But we can't say it's that weird because that's kind of what we do with that's making true. creative work. You're right. Is that, like, we spend so much time in our own that's head. True. Making our own worlds. That's very true. And then true. we send those out into the world. But like show. hanging up a show or putting sculptures into a, a gallery space right. is a different way of being social and talking yes. to people. And I think, I mean, my brother, he's 21, mm-hmm. so he's 10 years younger than me. Wait, I thought you didn't have any siblings. I do. Okay, I didn't when I first moved to <laughs> okay, okay. Portland. Gotcha. Um, but he got popped out my mom's batch when I, when I was 10. <laughs> he happened? <laughs> he happened. <laughs> That's statute of limitations yeah. on a brother or sister's 10 yeah, years. Yeah, 10 years. But He's not technically your brother. Yeah, he's like my son, basically. <laughs> Maybe. That's too young to be a son. Or too, too young for me to be a mom. Um, right. Yeah, he's always chatting online. And now he's like, he chats with like, I don't know, his friends online all the time with his problems and stuff. But then sometimes he'll chat with girls online that like he's like met a few times, but hasn't really like interacted with in real life. And then so he'll be like, oh, I think I like this girl after talking with her. No idea who they are. A couple days and being like, oh, wow, like we have really good conversations and they'll meet and they have no chemistry. Right. I'm like, well, you should probably meet them and hang out with them in person more instead of, you know, unless you want a virtual girlfriend. (laughs) Which yeah. I'm sure people do nowadays. Yeah. 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 It's acceptable. Right. I mean. Well, is he in Portland? He's in Portland right now. Yeah. 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 And is he creative? He's a computer science major, but what he's a creative person. Do you think the drawing <laughs> as a first language thing was, yeah. was kind of why you stuck with it? I were think your parents creative people? No, not at all. And I think the reason they were okay with me being creative is because they were, I was really rebellious, so it wasn't one of those things where I had to, you know, they, I mean, my mom just told me recently, she's like, you know, if I had it my way, you would have been a doctor. I'm like, cool, mom. <laughs> so they still hold on to that, Sp- like, speaking of Asian parents. very traditional <laughs> ideals of, like, how your kids are right, or right. what they become. Right. So they put more pressure on my brother. Yeah. Because um, he was oh, a little bit more guy. submissive and obedient, and now he regrets it. But oh, no. he could take coding into something creative, you know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing. So. It, if you're a great engineer, you got to have some creativity exactly. to the way you're thinking. Exactly. I mean, people, there's like creativity as like a, th- like a visual theme of someone, like mm-hmm. I'm a creative person. But, right, right. You know, if you're successful in anything, you probably have to be pretty creative. You have to tap into that for sure. Yeah. Thinking outside so. the box and. doing things unconventionally usually helps yeah so so you moved when when you were in high school were you was art your thing not at all it was just what i drew and i was like crying into my notebook (laughs) i was very emo i think a lot of a lot of us were probably really emo in high school yeah i mean Um, it's hormonal right you have to be emotional actually i mean some kids don't go through that like there's some people who literally don't have a depressing or emo stage in our Those lives. people are clones. I know. <laughs> They're which robots. Is crazy. Um, I mean, I drew, I, my parents put me in art school as in, it's like a, it's like a Sunday class that's led by a Chinese woman that's practiced in oil painting and acrylics. During high school, when you were in high when school? When I was, when, throughout my, my childhood. Oh, that's cool. For them though, it was more like learning technical skills. Well, so of course. It, right? So I had to, you have to learn have a skill set. all the technical stuff. Yes. Um, but then the woman I felt was so obsessed with winning awards. So there's definitely so many times in my experience with her where she'll like literally tell me exactly what to draw Mm -hmm. to submit to 
different competitions. Right. Um, so she couldn't be like, oh, my student won some award. It's like a very Chinese thing. Again, yeah, it's yeah. like about prestige. It's anything you do has to come with some sort of recognition. And let's be honest with when it comes to that kind of stuff, those parents, those like it's always under the guise of like, well, we want you to be happy and successful and not have to worry about being able to afford a meal or whatever. Right. Exactly. But it's really about how it reflects on them. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like, it's oh, like my daughter is a doctor. Uh huh. Oh, you did good. Jo- you did a good job as a parent. Right. It's like a self worth. They place so much of their self worth on their kids. Right. But the name of what their kids are doing. Yeah. Not like the character. Exactly. Of the kid. Yeah. They don't care about that. Oh, like, sorry. oh my kid has a PhD and blah blah blah. Right. Like he's done. a doctorate and being an asshole. What yeah. good job. That's a doctorate. Yes. That's amazing. Yes. <laughs> My mom used to tell me that if you're a PhD student, you will never commit a crime. <laughs> I was like, okay, mom. <laughs> and then like. That's so funny. Recently, do you, do you remember this woman that got kidnapped by a PhD student in USC? No, that happens like I a didn't. Chinese PhD student that got kidnapped and murdered by another PhD student. So oh, like, I was like, haha, mom. I mean, <laughs> it, was, it was a terrible situation, but that's I love proving my mom wrong. Oh, jeez. Sorry, we shouldn't be sure. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. (laughs) Just kidding, mom. You did a great job. It's kind of funny. (laughs) So, but but did you, (coughs) did you win the award? Um, I don't remember because they were just dumb awards. I think, I think so. Maybe. Right. Um, So many people that I talk to on this podcast have won a high school era art award. award. And they, they're like, oh, this is, uh, yeah. it's okay to do this because people yeah. think I'm good at it. Yeah. But no, I don't think anyone thought I was good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was because, you know, they, it was like a lot of technical stuff and she was basically telling me what to draw. So I never felt like I was good at any of these things because it wasn't even my work. You were just like fu- fulfilling yeah. the function of what she right. wanted to happen. But I wasn't like an artistic kid in high school, actually. Right. Like nobody knew I did any of that stuff in high school. So when it came time to graduate, what was the plan? I wasn't going advertising, huh. which I did go into for a few years. Where was that? In Oregon. Oh, okay. Yeah. To, um, or you mean to work or? No, no, school. Oh, yeah. At University of Oregon. Right. I, I got into, the reason I went was because I wanted to transfer into an Ivy League. And I know it's was, it was one of those. High school is interesting. Um, I got into Honors College, which promised me that I was going to get into Ivy League you know, for grad school. Right. And that's the only reason I went. And I was choosing between a major that was kind of creative, but also more business oriented. Yeah. Um, Were you thinking like Penn or something? What do you mean Penn? The University of Pennsylvania. Like Ivy League is East Coast. I don't know any because I wasn't even aware of, for me at that time and my family was just a name. It was a name. It was like getting Gucci or Prada. Right, right, right. They don't care what it is. It's like just go to a night, a school with a name. That's it. Right. And I didn't even think about my major or anything like that. It was like just concentrated by the name. Just like a benchmark. Right, right. Yeah. And so I went to school for advertising and then um, I just started doing design for a lot of student unions Mm because I joined a lot of different multicultural groups. Which Were you working really on fun. the computer at this time? Yeah, I started to design, I guess, yeah. for for the first time. I never I didn't really have a concept of design cuz I think when I was I went to school in 2004 mm-hmm. and I think that was prior the design graphic design major boom or at least I just didn't know about it. Right. I'm sure like CalArts and other schools had those programs at like Yale, I'm sure, but, but it was I just, less I just did not know about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Excuse me. And then so I did that on the side, but I would always draw like I do in high school. It's not like something I told anybody, but I started experimenting more with like using the computer to draw because I for me, it was like one, it was cheaper. Right. <laughs> I didn't have to supplies. buy like mediums, all t- like yeah. different types of uh, materials all the time. And two, I just thought I was always on the computer anyway. Like I could, you know. Be productive? Yeah. Did you have like a, a Wacom tablet or something? Or were you just drawing with a, a trackpad or a mouse? I started with a mouse and I graduated into a Wacom, a Wacom tablet. And now I just go back to the trackpad, actually. I don't use, even use Wacom that much anymore. I know. I go back and forth. Yeah. Sometimes I'm just too lazy to. <laughs> exactly. I'll just use the, well, the trackpads are a lot bigger than they used to be. Yeah. Yeah, now it's now it's way more convenient. But I think back in the day it was more fun to like. There was Flash back in the day too. Yeah, yeah. I was playing Flash? with that a lot. It was really fun actually. Yeah. 
can like make things move and like click into things and it can expand. Um, but right after I graduated, it's funny because I almost got, I accepted a job as a buyer. <laughs> I know my life oh, is really? like crazy. <laughs> and my last semester of college, I was like, I'll take one fun class and it was digital illustration. Mm-hmm. And I took the class and the professor was like, hey, I'm starting this digital arts MFA or BFA program and I'm headlining it. It's the first program to be at University of Oregon. Do you want to be in it? And I was like, what? What do you mean? He's like, I can waive all of your like prereqs because I had to be in like graphic designer, digital arts prereqs. And I was in journalism school. So he basically gave me this like doorway because it didn't exist. So he's trying to get people. Yeah. Right. Right. And that's how I got into what I'm doing, honestly, because I would have been a buyer. (laughs) Who are you buying for? It was like a company in Portland. It was called yeah. like Martin Frank or something. <laughs> <laughs> do you like, like I fashion? think when you, you're in high school or in college, you're just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's yeah, like yeah. whatever that my parents said I should or. Well, sometimes opportunities come me. to you, you know. Right, right. So it was really interesting. Did you like buying? I never got into it. Oh, I decided yeah. to, I, you know, rejected the job offer and then I went to. Oh, um, I see. That last year of. Digital, digital arts. Digital arts. Yeah. So did you get a degree in that? Yeah, That's I did. Cool. It was really crazy. Yeah. It was a very um, challenging, but also like an eye-opening experience. You must have enjoyed it. I really did. Did they get, at that point, did you have all the software you need or was school enabling you to use resources that you didn't have? Um, they definitely enable me to use it a lot more because I was just doing it as a hobby. Yeah. on the side and then but then for this it's like your every semester had a thesis basically you had to do something with it and i was like i don't know i've never done this before yeah and so, yeah well once you once you graduated what was the plan um i you were just doing some jobs i was gonna go back in advertising it was yeah. a very confusing time in my life it's kind of funny looking back actually like talking to you about this because i'm just like holy crap that's really weird um I wanted to do keep on drawing. I just, I drew a lot more on like digitally yeah. um, than I've ever done before just because I was doing that for a year and it was really fun. And I was working at a hippie dance company and um, hippie dance company. Yeah. It was <laughs> <laughs> what I was designing for them. Yeah. Um, they were like crazy. They would have like black, like a belt system and they would have like thousands of teachers all over the world. And I would teaching hippie dance. Yeah, it's like it's a hippie dance. I can't describe it. It's like the best way to describe it. Like basically people are rolling on the ground and then like (laughs) chanting. I'm not even joking. It's like serious. But this is like an organized (laughs) thing. Yeah, it's like a dance. It's like a exercise program, but it's like very much about your mind and body has a great, you know, it has like a nice ethos, but it was definitely not for me. Right. Um, but while I was doing that, I was drawing on the side because I, I remember just they would have a lot of downtime, so I'll just draw a lot and yeah. stay behind because they had. That's when I used a Wacom actually because they had a Wacom. Oh, so you could. And then they also had a printer, so I was just printing a bunch of nice. stuff on there. On their supplies. That's like uh, it's pretty common to like yeah. find find a temp job to where you exactly. can use the resources. Like I exactly. work at Staples and I just use Sharpies all. The, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so you were able to use that for what you needed out of it, basically. Yeah, it was great. And you learned a little bit of hippie dance on the side. I did. Which you still probably. <laughs> they have it in New York too. Really? It's like all over the world, basically. I gotta look into what, this. Like a lot of the age group is like forty to sixty year old woman. Yeah. And there's a lot of like, what, like dancing. It's like just very open. Yeah, it sounds yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting for sure. So so you didn't last too long, I'm assuming, at Hippie Dance Actually, Company? Actually, that was my longest job. <laughs> 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 I know, it's kind of funny. Um, that's a job I've held like for the longest. I think it was like three years. Wow, that's, that's a know. good tenure. It was a really long time. But they let me go to China, actually. So For I was field research? or No, <laughs> just I wanted to move there just to experience what it's like to live there again. Oh, so you were working. So I was working for them while I was there. Oh, it was that's great. Cool. Yeah. It was amazing. So I think that's why I lasted very long. Yeah. Well, that'll, that helps. Yeah. Like, I'm just going to go live somewhere else, but I'll still. 
Yeah. Which I it's think is awesome. advantage of working on mm-hmm. the computer. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So how was it spending a year in China? It was really, it was great. I mean, I traveled around to see what like different regions are like. I worked in a, a design company there just for a few weeks just to see how yeah. they looked at design. And I mean, that was like 2010. Yeah. So they definitely didn't care <laughs> <laughs> about design at all. Um, but I was able to like, you know, I met a lot of like musicians and artists and creatives there who I just didn't think existed because mm-hmm. my family was so upset. Like they were very academic based. So everybody knew, they knew were friends and fr- like kids of professors and they're aspiring professors. Right. Whereas like I just had no idea like people ch- of Chinese origins can be creative. Yeah. So. I was able to meet people like that, which was really cool. That's cool. Yeah. Where were you? Where were you staying? Um, Xiamen. It's right next to Taiwan, okay. like in the south south tip of China. Yeah. It's like on the beach. It's like a beach city. Yeah. It was a really great little space. And you're still fluent. You didn't lose any. I can speak it. It's not the best. But, but seven's a great age because you don't yeah. have, you keep, I will remember you have no it. accent from either. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I have an accent for sure now, but I just speak very basic fluent Chinese not sure it's just interesting that if you <coughs> if you learn that second language early enough yeah just there's no accent yeah that's true but, it, but also like you know if you practice yeah. yeah that's true like you have to go when to you're a kid you're so malleable you can like right. say anything you can learn languages so fast I know it's Lucky. pretty amazing don't you wish you could like learn like five or seven? I mean it was so well sooner or later they'll be able to download languages and that's true. Like, you don't even need to learn it. Yeah. You've seen those earpieces. Just be so lazy. Where it like instantly translates yeah. things. It's weird. That is um, really weird. So was it, I guess culturally it was an eye opener in a way because you're saying you were exposed to a different side of culture there that yeah. you didn't even know existed. Exactly. That's cool. Yeah. It was a good time. Yeah. And so it was like nice to be, you know, away from American culture. Just did you have, did you have else. one year of like a timeline set? No. That's just. I was like, okay, I'll just be there and see what happens and travel. It was very open ended. That's great. I think that's how I've always been. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, yeah, it was a really interesting, profound experience. I definitely recommend living abroad. Of course. At some point in your life. Right. You learn so much traveling. Right. I mean, it's not just traveling, like settling in one place, you know, because when I travel, it's like I don't really learn anything about the culture or like community I can I learn like the superficial aspect of it by traveling and you're on vacation mode right the so good it's place like to eat you can't really yeah. understand how to what it's like to live there I mean I don't think I fully understood what it was like to live in China either but it was at least way more um deep yeah right? it's yeah. like a deeper more holistic experience yeah. than if I were just to go there for a couple of weeks right um and that I think that's why I would like to try to live in a different country again but we'll see yeah so when you came back do you did you move back to portland or yeah yeah Mm -hmm. but then you had to get out yeah yeah um also my my boyfriend at the time got into school in chicago so i was like okay i'll come with you chicago sounds good yeah (laughs) in midwest it's different you know it's like a big city compared to Portland. It's like a small little town city right. with forests. Whereas Chicago's kind of like, I mean, it's not like New York, but it's kind of like New York in yeah. a way. A lot cleaner. Dark um, alleys. Yeah, dark alleys. <laughs> anyway. A million bars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great music. And um, Oh, now I forgot to ask. What were you listening to in high school? Like what music? Oh, man. Were you a music person? I was. I really liked all types, actually. I was really into, like, Talib Kweli. Yeah. And I was really into Pinback. I remember them. They were from San Diego, I think. I think so. Yeah, yeah. I was really into, like, shitty bubblegum, like, punk stuff. Like Blink-182? Like, yeah, like that, or, like... Sum 41? Sum 41. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I know. Don't worry. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing, actually. And not at all. Hey, my son's into that stuff. Okay, cool. There <laughs> they, you go. They do Blink-182 covers. Wait, what? Yeah, yeah. Damn. I know. And that's, that's retro impressive. for them. That's like old I mean, music. it is. Yeah. They're in the Nirvana and that's like classic rock. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Nirvana was really good, too. Like, I listened to a lot of that stuff. And I like Japanese music. There's this like DJ named Enflow. 
he does or like Nujabez, do you know him? Oh, Nujabez, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I loved like that kind of stuff. A lot yeah, and what's school. uh what's the other guy's name? I'm not gonna remember it. Yeah, <laughs> but Nujabez related. I think he was in. Yeah, that. yeah, I listened um, to him a lot in high school. I thought it was like so. It was like such a transformative music experience. Yeah. Which That's it was, I thought, you know, especially when all like it wasn't like today where music is so accessible. You know, you yeah, heard you can, a lot. Of, you can get anything. How did you find music in back in the day? I have no idea. I don't remember how I did it. Record shops. Record shops. Friends of friends. Mixtapes. It's always friends like recommendations. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mix CDs. That's what I did a lot of. Like I would exchange CDs with friends. And did I just date myself with mixtapes? <laughs> I mean, I did mixtapes too. <laughs> yeah. But I think CDs was like one of the things that was easier. Right. Back when I was in high school. And yeah, I but the one the CDs one thing I mean, s- streaming music is amazing because you can get you know if I want like a high life band from Nigeria, I can get it like that. Yeah. You know? but exactly. The only thing is when it was limited to like records and tapes or CDs or whatever. Mm-hmm those things had a real meaning. Like you would really yeah. listen to them because yeah. it was all you had. Like I had Thriller on vinyl. Oh yeah. You probably listened to it every single day. Every note. Right. And the the liner note, like the pictures, everything. Mm-hmm. And I think now there's just so much I can't imagine. I, I guess you can, but it's just different. There's so much to explore. There is. <laughs> How can you just now stop yourself Now it's with like one? so much that you don't remember. You don't even remember the artists sometimes. Yeah. Right. I find myself doing that. I'm like, I know this song. I have no idea who made this song. And I'm like, wow, I'm like kind of embarrassed because I actually like this song. Yeah, but Radio Shuffle does that too because yeah. you'll get the provided list that right. you will like. It's like algorithms, yeah. basically. And you don't have time to sit there and look at every single artist that's, that's true. popping up. So that's true. I think that's probably more common than we think at this point. That's true. So, okay, so that was a non sequitur going back. I didn't <laughs> want to pass up the the early music and like how that translated. So now you're in Chicago and you're around a lot of live music. You said you lived next yeah, I, the I, Empty Bottle, which is yes, a great venue. Yes, I went to so many. I mean, I started doing that in Portland too because there's a lot of um, bands that go to Portland, yeah. but they play at smaller venues, which mm-hmm. were very intimate. And I really liked that experience. Um, but in Chicago, I, had a, I met a girl and I heard I go to so many shows together like probably three times a week almost yeah and it was really fun yeah it was good good informative experience for me right and were you just doing design work i was in advertising at this time i like lied my way and i didn't lie my way but like i (laughs) they're not listening i basically (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) i was freelancing while i was working at this hippie dance company as well so when i went to chicago i like took that freelance experience and basically somehow lie my way into a position that paid me like 300 percent what i was making it was great i was really good at that hey, that's that's the corporate ladder <laughs> i was like definitely climbing that corporate ladder yeah. um yeah but it was very like dry traditional advertising right stuff and i was in it for like basically off chicago when i was living there <clears throat> then did you just you wanted to move to new york um i yeah i had like a midlife crisis <laughs> early midlife. it was a mid yeah it was a very early midlife crisis and i was like what am i doing yeah um and it, it was probably really cold when you were thinking it was really cold <laughs> actually it was the summertime oh well that's yeah. i'm sure that's bad in chicago too i know the so weather sh- there's really yeah. extreme yeah it's too See, much lots of snow and then lots it's of too much. hot summer yeah and the one thing I don't, I didn't really like about Chicago was how, like, I felt like everybody lived in a black hole there. Like, Chicago it's, land? Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like, nothing, they're very proud that nothing touches them in mm-hmm. a way, which I think I, I can see the good in that, too, because that makes you very genuine to people. Like, I think yeah. the one thing about Chicago or Midwest people I've met so far have been they're just extremely genuine. And if you're in their group, you're in there forever. Yeah. You know, like I have friends I've made for a lifetime that I've met in Chicago. Yeah, but you sold out, man. You yeah, left. I know. <laughs> I know I did. You, you moved in. New well, York. I was supposed to come here just for a month. So my plan was to come here for a month to see what it's like. And I actually pre- previously had a trip to Japan booked. Uh-huh. So I was going to just go to New York and go to Japan and go back to Chicago. And so I didn't even have a goodbye party. I left all my stuff in Chicago with my ex-boyfriend at the time. And I was just like... I'll be back, guys. And you and never I just came never back. came oh, back. <laughs> yeah, it wow. was a really crazy experience. And that happened at the end of 2014. Yeah. Yeah. So New York, did, you didn't make it to Japan? 
No, I did. Oh, okay. but I went back to New York afterwards. You so know when I moved to Japan? Japan's great, but it's a good place to travel to. But I don't know if I could live there. Oh, it's the best place. It's beautiful. I just wish that you know, I I can't communicate to people. I think that's yeah my biggest thing is like how do you communicate? Right. And it's there's a big um, communication gap. Yeah. There. That's so. true. It's so clean though. Yeah, 7-Eleven is really great. Oh, my God. The egg salad sandwiches there Yeah, are reason enough to move to the country forever. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> so, New York. And then let's talk a little bit about, like, what you do now, like, how you got into your aesthetic of what you yeah. do now and, like, when that aesthetic formed and, and what you're doing now. Um, I think I'm trying to think how that even formed. I was starting to play with that aesthetic um, when I was working because a lot of the stuff I was working on after work basically Mm -hmm. um just for fun i was selling a lot of prints and um i was like making greeting cards when i was in chicago just for pure fun of it and i was like selling it to a bunch of shops and i did like all these craft fairs so i was starting to get into that but when i went to new york it was like a burst of energy i think anybody who comes here can feel that there's like such an energy shift here versus anywhere else Right. And um, because I was in this new place in my life where I was single, had no friends. I didn't know anybody. I didn't have a place to live. I didn't have a job. So it was like this really weird place to be. And I I remember coming into the style actually while I was freelancing at an ad agency here in New York because I did a couple days at an ad agency just to make some money. And... I, this is like crude. Can I talk about this? Um, I was starting to date my partner at the time Mm -hmm. and I was like, we were like having a lot of sex. (laughs) (laughs) And then I was, I was like, oh, I should draw something like inspired by that energy. Like I took that energy and I drew this like graphic of a butt and hands like grabbing a butt. And I was like, oh, I really like this. Like, how do I add some colors to it that creates that, like, vibe I'm looking for that I feel right. in that type of intense intensity? And ever since then, it kind of started from there. Mm-hmm. It started from that one drawing. It's so, the, like, And then the palette and the... That's when the palette started as well. It was, like, that energy. Um, yeah. It's a very I'm specific... A, it was an extremely specific yeah, piece yeah. that started it all. Okay. Where I was like, oh, my gosh, I actually really enjoy, like, all the colors that's happening. So then... From that point on, on, I noticed that there was this, you could start, because I think in the past I was so strict to what I was doing. Um, I mean, I was technically trained in a lot of the art drawing stuff. And then I think the teacher would say stupid shit like, don't use purple next to greens. Like literally she told me <laughs> specific colors I can use. Right. So I was so boxed in that and being in New York where there's like, I had no boundaries. Like everything was just shifted from my view and role as a person. Right. Um, I started being like, oh, I can do this. And it, it translated into my visual work as well. Yeah. So it started from there, honestly. And then the, so from an outside perspective, some of the cultural mm-hmm. visual cues of like the 80s and like neon yeah. and I don't know, like a vaporwave kind of like feel right. to some of that. Is that conscious or is that i, I don't is it know more intuitive? i think it was intuitive because i wasn't i i was aware of that type of aesthetic but i wasn't inspired by it necessarily i didn't look at it and be like wow that's amazing i kind of just stored it in the back of my head perhaps yeah, yeah. subconscious um, it's like a very subconscious experience for sure right and it just evolved from there and i started um fine-tuning and i'm still fine-tuning obviously and you work across so many different i mean you do prints you do yeah. animation you do sculpture you do i try painting all this I'm not stuff. like a master at any of them but yeah <laughs> though i have to say of all the work i've seen of yours i really do there's something really interesting about those kind of like framed animations where they look like a painting or something but they're slightly moving there's like one or two elements that just repeat yeah because they operate in this weird in-between world of of like you know 2d art but then also right. animation and design right. it's like they're really interesting yeah do you I, do those often or is I it haven't hard, it's harder to time. do because of the structure of like monitors and additioning things like that or 
Yeah, and I think I just got, I think I was doing them a lot last year. Um, there was this thing that things called electric objects, actually. Have you heard of it? Yeah. Um, they asked me to do a couple pieces for them, and all of their pieces are, I mean, what it is is it's like a digital monitor, and it projects right. like a artwork or a photograph or a moving image. And I thought the most successful images were the ones that were very subtle in the movements. Yeah. And so because of that, I was able to think about what are some very subtle things that you know you take for granted to day to day and I started mm -hmm. trying to translate that into these pieces I did for electric objects but um it's been a while it's been I want to get back into it because I do miss I do think like movie animation like some sort of like non-static on static is really interesting yeah um I think right now I'm I really enjoy off screen things but i think i will always be attached to this digital medium to right. create work but your so. work it, it just floats in between a lot of different areas and yeah. i think maybe because of your history and how you started working through design or, mm -hmm. or sort of uh, a's and b's of like m making a living and stuff maybe right. your aesthetic your work has been scoped a little bit towards the design realm but there's yeah, so definitely. many artists who are working in the same way that you are in these different right. medias who are veer more towards the fine art world. Right, right. And I know you just had a show here in Brooklyn that was sculpture, right. it was video right. and all that. And I can definitely see your work living in that area as well yeah. successfully. So is Thanks. that something that you're, you know, sort of nudging towards? Yeah, I think um, in this day and age too, it's like there's not, there's such a fine line between design versus art in a there's way there's no line it really right that's true i think true. those lines are just drawn it's like for all blurred yeah. yeah and i think you know fine i mean i think for a long time i used to be like oh to be an artist you have to be doing fine art or i had like these structure of what i thought a certain type of person a certain type of creative does mm -hmm. but now i realize it is just expression of yourself it doesn't really matter what media images use. exactly <laughs> in the end it's like a visual image and someone's eyeballs are like taking that in yeah. for whatever way they want to, you know, interpret it. And so I think the more I come to that idea and just recognize that it's just fit for everything, doesn't really matter how you make it. It's, it's context. Exactly. Well, the irony too <coughs> is I think a lot of times with design, like say, take your prints, you know, you might think, right. oh, well, it's more in the design realm in the sense that it's just an image drawn on a computer and printed out. Right. Where, or people see that in the context of design, maybe a little more than a painting. Right. But what about photography? That's taking a little machine, clicking it and printing it yeah. out. That's way more right. in the realm of like what people think of like what defines design as not fine art, quote unquote. Yeah, that's true. Do you know what I'm saying? That's true. There's so much more that you're doing in these drawings than right. what's going on in, in taking a photograph. Well, it's interesting with photography because my partner is a photographer too. Mm -hmm. And he's he's like more of a photojournalist, I would say, because mm -hmm. it's... You can, you know, stage something because I'm kind of seeing that blur line where when I'm illustrating on the computer, I'm staging a, a set, a, a scenario. Right. And some photographers, they stage like a studio set. But then there's photographers that literally capture like the exact right moment of like a bird in the air or like a hair strand or mm -hmm. I don't really know. I don't really know whatever composition they're looking for, but it has to be like the right lighting, the right time. It's like capturing that moment, I think, is art in that way yeah, it's definitely. very interesting whereas i have whatever i want to draw i capture it in my mind i draw and i take like hours to maybe sometimes days to mm -hmm. do but yeah. they have like that one second to capture that unless they're staging it or you're like tomas the man where you build an entire set yeah exactly that's what i mean by staging then, it people yeah, like yeah. build like a studio like full-on photo right. set to create this image yeah it's just it's however you want to make it yeah, really I just thought after seeing that show <clears throat> here in Brooklyn with ADO, is that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was so conceptually based, like it was so grounded in, you know, this idea of identity through right. customs and, you know, that that was such a strong part of seeing that work that it just felt really like that was an area that you would want to push more or that that you're comfortable pushing into. Yeah, which totally makes sense in the sort of quote-unquote fine art world right i think um i'm definitely exploring that way more that yeah. the identity concepts and what that is self-awareness 
And we, we should, we should talk a little bit about too, that, you know, you've done, like we've both worked with our friend Logan Takahashi, yeah. who's a musician. Hey, you did, you did <laughs> some, some cover art in a video, right? Yeah. So, yeah. um, you must love doing collaborations and working I do. With I don't do it enough to be honest. I think, uh, not to speak on your behalf, but whenever right. I do collaborations like that, it's so yeah. fun that you instantly have a feeling of like, I'm not doing this enough. Because yeah, you, you really get a true. charge out of it. You know? Right. Especially when you're always doing your own thing. You know? Yeah, I definitely want to do more collaborations. Yeah. But it's it's hard to do these days. I don't know why. It's just timing. And like, yeah. you're, you know, it's like being in a band. It's so much That's easier to be true. a solo artist because like I practice when I want to practice. Right. And then you got three other people and you're like, dude, can you practice at one? And it's like, no, nah, I got it. And then the drummer never shows up. It's yeah. bullshit. And then you're like, screw this. I can't be in a band. So that's why I, I definitely feel that it's just hard to pull off sometimes, but it's, it's very worth it. In the it end, is, I think. it is. I actually hired um, somebody to help me like manage and negotiate my work for me. And that is a collaboration in its own. Yeah, definitely. for sure. And it's something I'm, I've been doing for like the past six months with this one woman. That's nice. But it's like interesting because it's sometimes I'm like, you're not supporting me enough. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. like, oh, man, this is where that, like, collaboration comes through that can kind of irk somebody sometimes. Yeah. Where you're like, oh, no, like, are you putting enough work or am I putting enough work? Like, what's going on? It's really interesting to um, go through that on the other side of collaboration, not just creative collaboration. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it's like <clears throat> working with a gallery, same thing. Yeah, you know? exactly. You're not pushing my work enough. You yeah. know, like, why am I not exactly. in that show or whatever? Exactly. That's like human nature. It's like when you watch yeah. two kids who are four years old building Legos and the one's like, why are you putting that there? And the other one knocks it. You know, it's like right. the same shit, different, right. different generation or different age and different totally. maturity. But, you know, totally. it's human nature. It is. I think. So what do you have anything coming up or how can people check out your work and plug yourself? Oh, man, I'm very bad at plugging myself. <laughs> <laughs> I do, I have, um, I might be, this is like in the talks, I'm working on like another sort of like exhibition that has a sculptural aspect to cool. it, that has an identity aspect to it. Nice. So that's something that is in the talks right now. And that hopefully happen. it will happen. Yeah, yeah. And hopefully it will be as good as I see in my head. Right. Um, and right now I kind of want to focus more on personal work because I've been so dialed into client work. Yeah. So for the last two years so much like nonstop. So I want to figure out how to take that energy and give myself a break and make work for myself and like a project that's not just a day. Yeah. Cause a lot of drawings, I, I like to just draw within a day just to get out my feelings mm -hmm. basically. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I haven't been able to find a project that I have made for myself that I'm focused on for longer than like a month. Mm -hmm. and I want to know what that is. Right. It's kind of hard to find, I think, especially yeah. because like I've shifted a lot of my goals towards like um, like collaborations in a sense with clients or with like people that are asking me to do something, but I've never shifted towards myself full solely yeah. to be like I'm responsible for this output where I'm responsible to create something that makes me feel a certain way. Yeah. So that's yeah. a real challenge, but then it it's is. a real gift mm -hmm. when it happens because you I feel like you learn a lot about yourself and yeah. your own work yeah but it's the hardest thing to not have the deadline to not have the exactly person saying it's got to live in within this context and it's like yeah. it's all you yeah hardest thing about I tell students all the time hardest thing about being an artist isn't making the work it's like figuring out what you're going to do and what right. it means and then and doing why. that yeah and yeah and doing that every day and then having fun while you're at it <laughs> if you can yeah that's a luxury if you <laughs> Yeah, that's my goal for the next month. Um, I'm taking this class. It's called School of Compu or, uh, School of Poetic Computation. Mm -hmm. um, it's run by this guy I know, uh, and he Zach Lieberman. He mm -hmm. does a lot of like work with art and coding, which I thought was really interesting. Um, so I'm trying to. I'm taking a class with them. It's like a week intensive, just to see. I mean, I haven't coded yeah. ever, but I'm curious to see how my work thus far can influence coding that's cool so just to test that out and mm. i'm taking ceramics because i want to just like touch things ceramics are great yeah i've never done it before that's so be nice. i think those are just like personal things i'm trying to do for myself cool yeah well uh so people can follow your social oh media. yes please find me 
At Shauna X. At Shauna X, yeah. S-H-A-W-N-A-X. Nice. On every medium. Well, thanks for talking to me for yeah, so long. Yeah, thanks. Today. It was good to Appreciate meet you. Appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Sound and Vision is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more information about my artwork at paintchanger.com or on Instagram at Alfred Studio. And you can check out more information about my work also at my gallery, Miles McHenry Gallery. Thanks for Michael Lovett for creating the introduction to the podcast, for Lullatone for supplying the intro and outro music. And for Logan Takahashi for also giving music to the podcast. You can find additional pictures of the artist studios and the artist work that I'm talking to on the website soundandvisionpodcast.com under the images section. We have sold out of the Dream Street custom t-shirts that were made for our 100th episode celebration. Those are sold out, but you can still get tote bags, stickers, and pins, and those are all available online. And you can donate to the podcast by going onto the website and clicking on the Donate tab to help support Sound & Vision. Another great way to support the podcast is to go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review for the podcast. It really helps. It helps bring interest and other people's attention to the podcast. And if you could just tell a friend who might be into hearing these artists speak and share it with someone else, that would be amazing. Don't forget, go out, get some golden paint, make a painting, get down to Charter this weekend for their barbecue bazaar event on Graham Avenue in East Williamsburg from noon to 7 and uh, go get yourself a Topo bag because they make incredible bags. Support our supporters, please, and thanks for listening.